again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp. As always, I'm joined by Will, sitting in the dark mirror. And how is it going tonight, William? What's going on, man? I'm doing all right. How's thing your side of the world? Uh, it is a late start for us. I'm feeling the pump both in terms of school and when you lead into a sentence and say, I'm, I'm feeling the pump in terms of both and you don't have more than one thing. I was really curious to see where this was going. Yeah, like, I, I knew, I, I, like, I've, I've really fucked myself the school, there. Well, that's what I thought we were talking. That's where I thought we were going to start going. And I was getting a little bit excited, but... Yeah, no, mate, it is hot and dry in uh, this part of the world this time of the year. So, uh, but yeah, it's kind of like when you're, you're doing it, you're writing a sentence and you go like something, comma, something, and, and you actually don't have the and thing and you're trying to wing it. That's what I just did there. So... Hopefully we can push past that and become a little bit more concise, a little bit more articulate throughout the rest of this episode because we haven't got off to a great start. But I think that's a reflection of this week's games. So maybe that's not such a bad thing. I don't know. I see what you're doing there. Very clever. Thank you. I need all the help I can get. All right. We are here for week 11, question mark, uh, preview uh, with... A slightly down slate, I would suggest, this week. There's been a few ca- uh, COVID casualties, which we'll get to in a second. And uh, in terms of some big marquee matchups, they're not really existing at the moment. That's just the way the season fell. I'm sure there were some that were intended to be big on this particular weekend, but that has not eventuated both through cancellations and through poor or really good play, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, but we do have game previews to get to. We might run a bit uh, a bit short today. I say that every time and we always run the same time. So maybe we can blitz through bold predictions as per usual. We go on the punt with Will and see if we can continue this upward trend. Arrows up in terms of winning money. We are the opposite of Michigan State at the moment when it comes to punting. So that is the way that we want to continue this weekend, Will. And how are you feeling about it from a cash-making perspective? Look, I think you've been guiding us in a, the right direction, so I'm happy to go back to that one. I, Yeah, I've, I've got some some picks for you this week. I, I haven't gone too outlandish, so mm-hmm. I think you've got a nice bevy of options to choose from, but uh, here's hoping we can continue making some cash. We're picking against the spread, obviously. All right, let's jump into a quick few news tidbits. Not that I have got a whole heap leading into this week, but there's a little bit of noise around Iowa football that continues from the off-season into right now. They've had four transfers in two weeks, and the media was banging that up to be kind of a a Kirk Ferentz, look at me, uh, we are a dumpster fire, so people are trying to get out. That's not exactly the case here. There's four guys, a lot of them quite highly recruited, that are searching for more playing time than anything, and have entered themselves into the transfer portal. I think this is a reflection of the times more so than any kind of uh, synchronicity, I suppose, with the off-season issues surrounding that particular football club. On top of that, having said that, as I've gone on a little bit of a preamble there, they do have some ex-players that are suing the school based on some of the issues around the football program. So... Whilst the transfers are not a continuation, that legal action against the football team will be. 
Any comments on the Iowa situation, William? No, I think you've nailed it there where the media is trying to make this something bigger than what it is, perhaps. I think there's some guys who are unhappy and you see this sort of stuff all the time across the year and it's not news for other programs when there's guys who leave because they're not getting the playing time that they thought they were going to. I mean, these squads are built up of like 120 kids. There's, yep. there's a lot of that sort of stuff. They've got 70 or 80 scholarship players all expecting to be getting significant playing time. When you've only got 11 on the field at any given time, it's just not a reality. So I'm not kind of reading too much into that one. COVID casualties this week include the Alabama-LSU game and preseason that was probably dubbed as a big one. Auburn-Mississippi State is out. Texas A&M and Tennessee is also postponed. So the SEC taking a hit there. And Arizona State and Cal seems to be on the ropes as well. That's not good. I mean, we're right in the thick of it and the numbers are not getting any better. So uh, we're certainly not getting out of missing these games and we're going to see a great deal of that as you smack your beer under your mic there. <laughs> yeah, having some issues here early on. <laughs> so um, lucky number five for the night. So we're kicking goals. Getting after it. What did you say? You were marking your students' uh, assignments? Yeah, you can do it really easy when you've had a few beers. So that is what I'm going to continue to do. But I think there's a black fly in my Chardonnay here. And I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. But we are empty. So it is a dry spell for the rest of this episode. Disappointingly so. All right, let's get into some fair dinkums. Uh, I don't have many this week. Like I, I was going to touch back on the fact that I believe college football is better without the tune-up games. I think it's more chaotic. And what we've seen early here is more fun to watch for the, I guess, the neutral supporter, if such a thing really does exist. For the teams that are on the margins, uh, it hasn't played out particularly well for those lower-ranked teams. And you know, But I won't touch on that now. My fair dinkum for you is... Last season, George's commitment to Jake Fromm, the quarterback, who is now in the NFL, is the worst decision by any coaching staff in the last 12 months because as a result of that, Justin Fields transfers to Ohio State. Ohio State looked like a national contender. Justin Fields is going to be, the, we'll say, the second quarterback off the board, but he's probably first in many other years. Uh, and it's cost Georgia a national championship run this year and probably um, years into the future as well if Justin Fields was to come back. But certainly um, it's had a massive impact on Georgia and Georgia football from which they may not get another quarterback of his ilk again anytime soon. Oh, I'm sure they will. I mean, these guys are recruiting an elite level. So, yes, Justin Fields is a special talent, and I'm not kind of saying he's easily replaced, but there are going to be other guys, and Georgia is certainly going to be in the running for those types of athletes uh, in, in the coming future. For that call, though, I, I can't really get around that. I mean, uh, how close do you think Georgia are to making a serious run? We saw them number, match the up against defense in the number one defense in the country. We saw them match up against Alabama. If you insert Justin Fields into that, do you think that's the difference? Do you think he he overcomes that sort of matchup that we've got there? I just think that there's more than the quarterback position for Georgia to be outside of the likes of your Clemson, your Alabama, 
Yeah, Ohio State, and I'm still going to say those three. I, I know, I know, Notre Dame got the win, but like that, that that's the class. I still don't see repeat, Georgia, yeah. even with Fields in that group there. So, for mine, I don't think so. Yes, hindsight, probably hold on to him, uh, and and you get it done. Like Jake Fromm was a, an excellent quarterback for that program, but never took them to the heights that they want to get to. Justin Fields looks like a special dude who could certainly deliver that, but I'm not going to be that critical on it i'm sure there's going to be some more uh some poorer decisions that were made out there i don't have anything off the top of my head yeah and and that's what i was trying to think of i was like i've made this statement and i'm like surely there's something fucking funny what is worse really because that's that's a that's the basis of this question and i was thinking the two are injury but that against mississippi state where he dislocated his hip but that happened in the first half and i remember us talking about that incident and we vehemently defended Nick Saban and, and the fact that he left tour in the game at that stage and because the game was certainly not iced at that point despite the fact they were up big already uh, and you're not pulling you weren't pulling him at that stage uh, I, I was thinking surely James Franklin at Penn State has done something stupid um, I don't know like Pat Nadersi he like kicked a field goal from fourth and one uh, down by seven and then they went and lost. Like like that happened. I'm I'm sure there's heaps of like Jim Harbour every Saturday in college football season maybe is probably in there. Like there's got to be something. I can't actually think of anything off the top of my head. But yeah, that's that's where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. I, I've got nothing either. There's there's nothing that I can kind of add in there. Like a Hugh Freeze type calling prostitutes sort of deal. <laughs> I, I've got no doubt there is because. I remember us going like, oh, that coaching decision was pretty bad. That decision to take a time out there or, you know, whatever. Um, You know, we don't have a lot of game time manager coaches that nail it week in, week out. We don't have the Andy Reid, oh no, Andy Reid's maybe not so good. Um, But like Bill Belichick and, you know, you talk about that Super Bowl where he didn't take the time out and everyone's like, he should have and it all worked out. We don't see that so much. I wish... We did because I like the craziness. Mm-hmm. We like the crazy. We like the crazy here. So, all right, let's make sure that you have got your chaos game for the week picked out as we head into game previews. And we're going to start in the SEC. And I feel like I did this last week and I'm going to do it again here, but I'm going this one straight off the bat. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Arkansas at Florida. This is my chaos game of the week. Now, I think Arkansas are somewhere between competent and good. I don't know what that is. Uh, above mediocre, worse than, you know, Purdue against Northwestern, I guess. But uh, they clearly don't have the talent that Florida does. And, not, and I'm not questioning that at all. But this is a letdown spot for the Gators. They had a big, uh, what a appeared to be an emotional win yes they distanced themselves against georgia and did so comfortably on the back of kyle trask's excellent game and that offense that looked so so good despite the exiting of kyle pitts due to injury throughout that game Um, but it just feels a little bit trappy for me ideally if i would feel even better about this game from an arkansas perspective if florida were going and turning around and playing someone from the sec west in a big matchup the following week if they had an alabama if they had an a&m um if they had someone else which they don't because from here 
After the Arkansas game, they go Vandy, Kentucky, Tennessee, and LSU, which is a pretty cruisy finish to the season, all things um, considered there for Florida. You've also got Felipe Franks playing against his old team for, for Arkansas. Sam Pittman, I think, is a good coach and... I think Florida played as, as well as they can. I am still have been a little bit down on Florida. I'm not overly confident about this call, but I, th- I think Arkansas are going to keep things close. It could be, you know, Arkansas up at half time, that sort of setup, and maybe Florida get away. But I think this one just has a bit of a sense of trappiness about it. Yeah, okay. That's an interesting call. That's a bold one for mine. I, yeah. I, I agree with you that Arkansas are a, kind of above average team. They're... they're very plucky, uh, and <laughs> yeah. they're certainly heading in the right direction. But they're almost above plucky, like that. Yeah, mean, I think you're right. They've been consistently pretty, pretty yeah. good. They like, almost won ugly, like they were favourites last week and won ugly. You know, in in a game where they went into that as opposed to being an underdog and sort of hanging around and scrapping for a win, they were like, "Well, we should win this." And they did. They ended up distancing themselves. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And and I think like credit there, absolutely. But a, a tough matchup going to Florida to play this Gator side. Yes, it, it potentially oh, a letdown after absolutely. a lot of energy would have been spent in that big victory over Georgia. But this is still a very powerful offensive unit for Florida, and I'm going to back that in to put up big points on this Arkansas team. Like Arkansas have been well-rounded, both sides of the ball uh, playing, as we say, kind of above average football. But this Florida side is a legit top 10 team that they're coming up against. And like they would need some crazy, unfortunate things to happen for uh, Arkansas to get that sniff. And the fact that it's, it's being played in Gainesville for mine just has me thinking that Florida get this one done and solidify that uh, top 10 ranking yeah i guess in terms of picking arkansas here and honestly obviously it's a chaos game so i don't believe that it's actually going to happen to some level but i'm definitely subscribing to the fact that florida's defense which has shown up in the last two weeks is actually not as capable as what they are starting to build towards uh, particularly uh, in terms of stopping the pass which they managed to do last week but uh, it'll be interesting to see if Sam Pittman can dial up some stuff and, and, and control the ground game a little bit, probably control the time of possession and, and not fl- not let Florida get out the back, which they did against Georgia, surprisingly. They got out the back of that defense and, and hit the big play. And if Arkansas can prevent that, I think they give themselves at least a, a semblance of a shot. Yep. All right, let's move on to South Carolina, Ole Miss, Georgia at Missouri. That's all we've got in the SEC this week with the big cancellations, but anything around those particular matchups? I think Georgia uh, will continue to try and get back on track. They obviously are now really on the outsides for trying to get into that SEC championship game, so that they're going to need things to go their way. Uh, their, uh, their defense seems to do really well against teams like Missouri. Like It, it hasn't stacked up so well against the elite mm-hmm. offensive units like we saw against Florida, what, uh, what we saw against Alabama. But what it has done against that kind of not-so-elite team is really flex and show out, and I'm expecting to see that in this Missouri matchup. So you're off your boy Connor Bazelak here for Missouri. I'm all about him. Can, can they be? Can they be? Can they sniff around enough 
you know, offensively, they haven't been perfect by any means, but he's been consistent over 250 yards a game through the air, which is, which is pretty solid. Um, you know, is that going to be enough, I suppose, to, to beat Georgia? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm not feeling it for him. I think this is going to be his toughest test so far. So certainly still in his corner, but I just don't like his chances this week. Fair enough. And the other guy we haven't mentioned too much, Larry Roundtree the third at Missouri has been a pretty solid running back. But um, I think Zamir White, uh, Stetson Bennett, which I haven't heard anything on his shoulder situation. Um, whether he will get the start and how he is feeling or whether Dewan Mathis will be the guy. But you think, I, I guess a bit like uh, how I felt about Oklahoma State up against Kansas State last week in that this offense will get time to work into the game because the defense is so good. And I think the same about Georgie here. Yeah, okay. And uh, you think South Carolina have any chance over Mississippi? Uh, you know I'm not a big subscriber to South Carolina football. Uh, they are, to be fair, like I've probably said this now for nearly a year, and like I'm like, Will Muschamp uh, from his days in Florida doesn't have an offense, but South Carolina at times have put up points with whoever the quarterback may be at that time. But I think, um, you know, Ole Miss um, and Matt Corral has been really, really good. Jaron Ely's been fantastic at Ole Miss as well. That offense moves fast and furious. And I believe that they're going to put up enough points to keep South Carolina at bay. It, it feels shootouty again because I think Ole Miss are going to put up points. So South Carolina are going to have to if they're going to hang around. Um, so I think Ole Miss are, are too talented. I just feel so good about that that offense. And, and Lane Kiffin is a good football coach. Like I know he's had all that chaos and the terror that he leaves in his wake is still probably haunting ADs at, you know, Tennessee and, and wherever else. But he is still a fantastic play call. He's got a great sense of the offensive side of the ball. He can scheme up and design really, really well. So I, I don't I still do not believe in South Carolina. They're gonna be continue to be middle of the road. Yeah, I think you're right in a shootout. It's all, they're gonna have to try and keep pace, South Carolina, because Matt Corral, as you mentioned, will be looking to put up points and, and has been able to do that. He's, he's proven that he's done that throughout the season, so I expect that to be the same. And on the South Carolina side, they'll be able to do it too because Ole Miss are consistently giving up points as well. So it's, it's certainly, we're going to see points, but the fact that it's being oh, yeah. played in Oxford, I, I, I like Mississippi in this one. Yeah. Um, all right, let's jet into the Pac-12 uh, still hard to get a read on the Pac-12. They've had a real soft opening, I guess, last week with a few cancellations and bits and pieces going on. But they have got the probably the best slate of all the conferences this week. So we're going to open with Oregon at Washington State. From there, it's going to be pick your poison and we'll kind of talk through it. But a couple of quick takes from me. Washington State's logo, which I know has been floating around for a long time. I don't think it's very good. I think they need to update that bad boy. I see what they've done with the W and the S and the C and and I get it all. I just it looks very kind of like 1998 sort of set up. I don't, you know, it's time to move on. It's time to rebrand. Let's let's get you looking like you don't you're not a school from a rural town in 
Washington State. I, I don't know, maybe just an option. But this is the... Anyway, I'll stop talking. This is the <laughs> matchup of the weekend. Both teams one and one I don't want to overreact to a result last week, but I think Oregon State are pretty good. And a 28-38 to 38 win last week for the Cougs, and particularly the way in which they won that game, they controlled that pretty much from start to finish, gives me great faith in their ability to move the ball on offense. Um, not so much defensively, but there's some skill position players at Oregon State. Um, I think Oregon gave up nearly 200 yards on the ground last week. And if Washington State, if the Cougs have any chance in this, they do need to be able to run the ball effectively. And I think they might be able to. Oregon is still the better team, but they're only nine-point favorites, which isn't a massive spread in this one, I think. Uh, and the winner of this probably put... I mean, they moved to 2-0, and and it puts themselves in the box seat for the... Pac-12 North, and in a short season like this, I don't know if you're coming back from that if you're the loser in this game. Yeah, okay. I mean, yes, uh, Washington State can put up points, but they're not in this matchup with Oregon. They're, they're not the team here. Yes, it's been played in Pullman. I get that, and maybe that's why the line's a bit closer. But Oregon are by far the better unit here, and I expect them to win this one and win it quite comfortably. Uh, in, in the shortened season, with the lead up to what they've had here there's they'd be certainly keen to kind of make their statement and to continue to roll they were quite good against Stanford last week and I don't see Washington State being able to stack up and stop them defensively yes Washington so State you, but you're taking Tyler Shaw on the road you know he's a, he's a new guy it's his second game of college football and you're saying that he's just going to waltz into the fearsome Pullman, uh, Washington State, and just like turn one on. I, and don't be wrong, like I'm, I'm being facetious there and saying that Pullman is an intimidating place to play. It's not, but it's still a, like a guy taking the charge, taking the reins and leading an offense in his second game. It's his first game on the road. Is he going to be able to manage that? Yeah, I, I think so because he's not going to be asked to do it all. They, they, this offense is going to operate through CJ Vidal. And he is more than equipped to be able to do that. Outside of that, they have a number of other really talented skill position players to support him. So I think it's a good spot for him to be where they, they can work through the run. They can get CJ going on the ground and then he can just kind of almost manage the game uh, and, and not have to take too many risks, not have to win the game himself. So that's not going to be asked of him. They're going to run the ball. They'll be effective there. And then defensively, they'll step up and make enough plays against this Washington State team. Okay, so we have spoken about this previously as well, that Alabama, the top of the SEC, uh, Ohio State, the top of the Big Ten, the Big 12, bit of a hot mess at the moment, but um, Clemson, the top of the ACC, I mean, Notre Dame obviously got them, but like they're the teams that have avoided the chaos early in the season. Is Oregon good enough to avoid that chaos that those upper echelon teams did? The, the ones that USC didn't last week, really, I suppose. Yeah, you make a very good point, and I think we're going to find out this week. Okay, um, we've got five other games, so you get to choose here. We'll USC at Arizona, Colorado at Stanford, Cow at Arizona State, which is probably the best matchup i think utah at ucla and oregon state at washington we've probably got time for one of those 
I've got notes on none of those. So take <laughs> us through what you would like to watch and why. Yeah, it's definitely that Cow Arizona State game for mine. So both you and I were really big on Cow going into last week's action uh, and their projected matchup with Washington. And when the rug got pulled out from underneath that one, we're both a little bit disappointed because we didn't get to see this Cow team. And now we get a really juicy matchup with them on the road against an Arizona State team that showed that they're very good this year. They should have won that game against USC. Uh, and Jaden Daniels is back and took took off right where he left last year as a phenomenal player. And, and I think he can be a, a really special talent for this team. So this matchup here is certainly a fascinating one. Arizona State have four points, but that's because it's at home. Like, play this on a neutral field and it really is a line ball game. So who knows what we're going to see out of this game cow unit with the amount of uh, junk that's been thrown their way in in the lead up to this one but I'm excited to see it Uh, as we mentioned they've got their uh, quarterback there Um, what's his name Chase Garbers Chase Garbers thank you mental blank there who is one of the the better players in all the uh, Pac-12 so Mm -hmm. he's going to be shaping up against uh, who I mentioned, Jaden Daniels, who is also one of these top playmakers here. So th- that's a great duel that we're going to see there. I mean, that choke kind of has me a little bit concerned on the Arizona State's sideline, and, and teams can really go one of two ways when, when that happens. They can really kind of take it uh, to heart and then look to bounce back and, and fight against that, or they can kind of fall in a heap and be like, we fucked it, we're done this year, goddammit, mm-hmm. and, and just kind of pack it in a little bit so i'll be interested to see where this one goes i really like california in this matchup i know they're on the road first up but i think they're a great shot to win this one uh, as an underdog and i think the team is built around the defense that's what they've done they've been the best defensive unit in the pac-12 maybe last year before that it's, it's historically been washington but last year they were really good i think that's going to continue on this year and, and that's what i'll be watching out for yeah, absolutely. And Jaden Daniels, you know, he only completed 11 passes last week. He led the team in rushing. So they're going to need more out of um, their running backs in uh, Trayanum and White to, to actually move the ball on the ground. Now, they did run the ball 38 times last week. So, you know, they are looking to move the ball on the ground and, and that's all well and good. But you're going to have to do it, as you mentioned, against uh, Josh Wilcox and this really, really good Cow Bears defense. Um, so I, I don't know how I feel like Cal out the blocks, USC lost to Arizona state last week. So this one could be should have pretty, pretty close. Should have lost. I think Utah win Oregon state at Washington. Interesting to see how that one goes with Washington playing their first game of the season and Arizona playing their first as well. All right, let's get into the big 10, there's a lot of games here that we need to get through. So let's start at the bottom and work our way north, maybe. Not geographically, but uh, I guess more figuratively. Illinois at Rutgers. Rutgers are favorites in this one. Um, so go you Scarlet Knights. Iowa at Minnesota. I don't think that one's really worth watching at this point. And if, if Iowa can make some noise, they're still holding that hangover loss from you know week one which is going to be costly in Minnesota, we think are well and truly out of the running at this point. Uh, 
Penn State at Nebraska. Let's have it spend a little bit of time here. So surely Penn State can win this one. Hopefully, maybe. James Franklin has said that he was that he will split time with the QB. Now, Sean Clifford's been the starter, the incumbent from last season. Um, will Levis has come in. He's not a great thrower of the ball down the field, but can move it with his legs. He's a big, big white boy. Um, but it's never a great thing if you're looking to split time with the quarterback position you want to have some continuity you want to have some confidence there and as, as soon as they say we're splitting time you know that's not a great look especially i mean you know more about that than anyone being an oklahoma state fan oh look uh i think oklahoma state have been one of the few teams to actually successfully do that when they had mason rudolph and jw walsh they, they really had two contrasting styles managed to package up for both of them and it kind of worked a lot of the other times it's two similar players and the coach just can't make a decision about who he wants to go with and and that's where you tend to destroy your players confidence because as soon as you make one poor decision you're out the fucking game someone else is coming in and then you're not operating with any sort of freedom in your game you you, you kind of it, it just doesn't happen for them so i think that that's a, a really good point to make on this game i, I don't know if there's two teams in the country who are more desperate for a win like and certainly yeah. not two fan bases who would who would want one more than anything like this is two very proud football teams coming together and neither have had a win on the year yet that's fucking weird i mean that, yeah. that, these two programs would not be used to that so there's a lot on the line in this one and and it's almost worth tuning in for that because it is going to be all out trying to get something going for the pride of two very proud programs. So if we transition from one of your teams in Oklahoma State into Chicago, your NFL passion, I suppose, and the Bears, and and they're really, really tough offense to watch, which kind of looks like while everyone else is running on top of the ground, you guys are playing through quicksand, and it's just tedious and tiresome to watch. Uh, Nebraska's offense is in exactly the same mold. And we've been saying this now for two seasons, and I just don't see it changing. They're averaging 15 points a game this year, which is next to last in the nation. Adrian Martinez has been so, so disappointing. Um, he's sharing time with Luke McCaffrey at the quarterback position, and the Huskers are yet to put up a passing touchdown through two games. So I just don't see a world in which they're going to score enough points to keep up with Penn State. I don't trust the Nittany Lions at all, but surely they can get off the mat in this one. Yeah, look, you're right about Nebraska's offense. It has been a disaster there. And it's a bit strange because Scott Frost had quite prolific offenses at UCF before coming across. So to see this kind of all fall in a hole here has me scratching my head a little bit. And, and I'm sure a, a lot of people around that program would be feeling the same. So they, they need to get something going. Like both you and I were big fans of Adrian Martinez when he first came into Nebraska as a dual threat kid true freshman just like slicing people up on the ground and that can sometimes be the issue when you've got these guys who come in and are, are really good rushes of the football and then the rest of the game doesn't develop uh in, yeah, in line with where it not, needs to it's not like he was one of these like skinny wide receiver types who 
was just the best athlete on the field and would do it that way. Like, he's got a decent enough arm. He doesn't see the field particularly well, and his feet can get sloppy under pressure. Um, but he's, he's got all the tools, and that's what you expected. Like, he's a bigger-bodied kid. He's not. It's not like he's one of these um, skittish, scat-back dudes that played it at played the position at high school that then you know when they get to the college system they transition to a nickel corner or a wide receiver or a running back or something like that he's not that he's a he's truly a quarterback but he just has not put it all together and it looks like scott frost and that offense is putting less and less um i guess responsibility on his shoulders as he starts to split time as a junior this year and that's not a great look for his future um, it'll be interesting to see where that program's at at the end of the year because Scott Frost, I know he's going to have time and you've always said he's got time, but uh, can't keep going on like this. Indiana yep. at Michigan State. What are we going to get from Michigan State? And this is a team um, that beat Michigan and then managed one touchdown against Iowa. I think for me, Michigan State are more a reflection of the latter I believe they're closer to the Iowa game than what they are to the Michigan game. They were put in good positions, particularly defensively against the Wolverines. That helped them put points on the boards, which is important when you get good field position, when you get turnovers, it is important to score points. And they did that. They made the most of the the drives when they had them. Um, But on the flip side of that, Iowa put a stranglehold on them early and they never recovered. I don't think Indiana's the 10th best team in the country. Um... And if they are, they have to go to East Lansing for the noon kickoff and just handle business. Michael Penix, Stevie Scott, they've just got to get it done uh, against Michigan State. And they should because I don't believe Michigan State, Rocky Lombardi at the quarterback position is prolific, not even prolific, capable enough to move that offense enough to score points. So I'm not big on Michigan State and I do believe enough in Indiana, despite their overranking at this point. Yeah, it's, you are a bit conflicted with Indiana at the moment. It, like it's hard not to <laughs> yeah. be. They deserve to be ranked where they are on on the back of the performances that we've seen so far. They've been really good, and it's been impressive. But at the same time, and there's something in the back of your head. You're like, nah, that ain't right. Like if I yeah. look down the list of the half dozen teams ranked behind them, I think they're all going to beat them. Yeah. Uh, is Michigan State in that category of, of one of those teams behind them? No. Like, the Coastal Carolina should be uh, knocking over Michigan State. They're, they're, they're not great. Yes, they knocked over Michigan, and, and that's a fantastic rivalry victory for them. But as you said, they've got some serious deficiencies themselves. So Indiana really need to get this one done. Like when you have this sort of year going, when you're up and about, kind of like what we saw with Minnesota last year, it, that we want to see Indiana continue this and, and yeah, they should sure. should certainly do that in this situation here. Yep, Cinderella style. Okay, Ohio State and Maryland. Uh, this will be the first test for an Ohio State secondary that's a little thin at the moment. Obviously, so many key losses in the offseason. Sean Wade has been okay. Nothing fantastic on his comeback. If anything, slightly disappointed. You know, he's trying to play himself into a higher first-round position to be the first cornerback taken off the board. And I don't think he's done that yet so far this year. And they're going to now face their best uh, passing offense with Talia Tungavailoa and his arm talent. Well, I, I just don't see that. They're just not deep enough. I think 
you know, if Maryland can get some breaks and, and chunk it up a little bit offensively, maybe hit some of those deep balls, get something on some funky trick plays, then they can be in the game. But are they truly in the game at the end? I don't know if I see it. I'm playing my chaos card here. Wee! Some men just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. I mean, this is a spot here that it's like it shouldn't be. Ohio State are much better than Maryland. But the craziness that we've seen this year, the fact that it's being played out in uh, Washington there, I, I see a world where Maryland just shock the nation. So two years ago, these Oi. two teams... These two teams went head-to-head, and Ohio State scraped away with uh, a victory in overtime. What's to say that yeah. can't happen I again? Mean, yeah, I mean, that wasn't a long time ago, was it? Last year... Do you see history repeat itself, though? Uh, well, last year, Ohio State beat this Maryland team 70-odd-something to fuck all. Like, they really <laughs> beat the shit out of them. But... I'm, I'm skipping that one. I'm selecting the year before. I, th- I think there's a chance. I think after... <laughs> Maryland's week one just complete whiff where they got absolutely (laughs) smoked by a very good Northwestern team. Uh, They have looked really good. They completely controlled Penn State last week in that victory. I think the final scoreline of 38 to uh, 19 or whatever it was was probably a bit closer than, than what it actually felt like. Um, 35-19 in in that one. I mean, the Terps jumped out with 21-0 up from that game, controlled it all the way. Uh, Penn State scored a couple late to kind of make it look respectable. But outside of that, Maryland were looking really good and they seem to be a team that uh, has made some significant steps forward this offseason, which is great to see. Uh, I was really worried. I mean, I was very critical of this side after their week one uh, stinker. But the last two weeks have been super impressive. So if they can take it, like maybe they don't win, but if they can keep it within a score, imagine that. This this is a, a team that would be very happy with that result. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on to the Murden Kemp Bowl Northwestern at Purdue. Uh, take us through this one, Will. I mean, I'm going to take Purdue here because I have to um, and their ability to score points. But convince me that Northwestern are going to get the chocolates in this one. So obviously I'm taking Northwestern. They're the uh, much sexier pick here. In, uh... <laughs> Uh, yep, three touchdowns a game, Northwestern. Yep. You know it, three touchdowns and maybe one one score against. Like, it's very, very difficult team to, to be against. So Northwestern are un- unbeaten on the year now, 3-0, and uh, and it's, I think you have to go back quite some time for 2000, that, I think. that to be the case. Uh, they've had that win I was just talking about against a very good Maryland team, which is looking better and better. <laughs> With every week. Uh, they they knocked over an Iowa team who are looking dangerous and, and perhaps not as as down as some might have thought. Like, they're looking pretty, pretty good. And, and I genuinely believe that these guys are in the conversation for the second best team in the Big 12, uh, uh, Big 10. So... What um what they will need is Peyton Ramsey to kind of take a step forward at that quarterback position and yeah. and do a little bit more than what he has. Uh, 
he's he's only put up the three passing touchdowns on the year, I believe, uh, so far. So you, you you probably want to see a little bit more than that. But that's not really what what they're about. They are a running football team. Uh, Drake Anderson and Isaiah Browser are a very good Browser Browser. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, very, very competent backs there. So I, I think that that's their strength uh, offensively. But as we mentioned, it's the flip side that uh, is where they really make their money. Uh, the, this defense is very stout. They've only averaged uh, 12 points against throughout the, the first three games of the year, uh, giving up a total of around 314 yards a game. Uh Purdue's offense has not been firing on all cylinders, and I think they're going to find it very difficult to score against this team. Um, averaging 27 points. Yards, 460 yards. 27 points a game. Good going. 27 points a game uh, against the, the opponents that they've had so far. I just, I think that they'll struggle to get those three touchdowns that they'll need to win this one. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I kind of I agreed with you most of that, especially around Peyton Ramsey and his need to step up, especially with Purdue, who do give up to uh, giving up 280 yards a game through the air. But like you said, Northwestern are going to want to control this game on the ground, and I believe that if if they are to win this one, Peyton Ramsey has to get it done through the air. Uh, can they score more than 21? Maybe Northwestern's defense is really, really good. I think they crack eventually against the Boilermakers. But having said all this, I actually think North, Northwestern probably win this game. I, I've seen this. I've seen this one before from Purdue, where you you believe that they've actually got the tools to do it offensively, and then they come out and just can't quite um, get in a rhythm, get in a groove. Um, maybe because David Blau's your quarterback. I don't know, but. Uh, they've moved on from from that, so we'll see how they go and whether that offense can stay hot and you know continue to put up yards and points through the air. All right, let's get into the last game in the Big Ten that we're going to talk about: Wisconsin and Michigan. Uh, this is a test for Wisconsin. I think they they're going to get the best of Michigan, whatever that actually is. Obviously, the Wolverines are coming off losses to Michigan State and Indiana. Wisconsin played it and won comfortably against Illinois, but that felt like months ago now before COVID has hit them hard. And we've seen the long layoffs and the stop-start nature to the start of some seasons for teams become a massive issue. They can't get into a rhythm. They can't get into a groove. And normally, you see the biggest growth from week one through to week two. They've got that first one out of the way. Wisconsin are playing week one again here. And my biggest concern is that they're going to be a little bit out of sync. Don Brown and his Michigan State defense is a bit of a mess at the moment. And we thought they were all going to be good. They've got the talent, but they have not executed. Uh, can they stop the run? And then can they manage the Graham Mertz to Jake Ferguson connection that was so damaging against Illinois? I don't know, but I think I would be looking at Michigan to take the victory here just due to the disruptions that Wisconsin have faced. Yeah, look, we still don't know a lot about this Wisconsin football team. So, yes, they looked really good week one, but that's against an absolutely terrible Illinois team. Like, yes, Graham Mertz looked good, being almost nearly perfect on the day, uh, 250 yards, five touchdowns, 20 of 21, like those are insane numbers. 
but I, I want to state again, Illinois are terrible. So we cannot take a lot from that game. We still don't know how this Wisconsin unit is really going to look without Jonathan Taylor toting the rock for them. Uh, defensively, I, I think they're still going to be a solid unit. But as you mentioned, they've had all of this these issues and, and the COVID problems have been within their program. They're not the team that's mm. kind of missed out because uh, others are having it and they're having to reschedule or they're getting cancelled on them. They're doing it because internally they've had issues and that disrupts training, uh, the schedules that they have around that, all of that that kind of needs to be factored into this one. When I look at that and then I couple it with the fact that they haven't won in Ann Arbor since 2010, uh, I'm I'm leaning Michigan in this one. They're a team that is going to be desperate after disappointing losses to Michigan State and Indiana. Uh, I think that they're going to be kind of primed and ready to go right from the get-go in this one. Yes, Wisconsin won this one quite comfortably last year, but I'm backing in uh, Michigan to get the job done here. Fair enough. Okay, let's get into the Big 12. Uh Okay, I've been... Yeah. Talk me through it. No, 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 you're right. I mean, there's not much to cover off in the Big 12, is there? No, there's not. And the only thing I was really going to say is I've been talking like Iowa State is not going well. The offense is no good. Brock Purdy's lost his mojo. Matt Campbell and the shine has come off him as the head coach. They're sitting atop of the Big 12 at the moment. And they've got K-State, Texas, West Virginia to close out the year. They could easily run the table... They lose the tiebreaker over Oklahoma State, but there's no reason they can't be in the Big 12 championship game. So I do apologize, I suppose, on some level to Iowa State people, but if they could just tighten up a few things that, you know, I think I picked them to finish below Oklahoma. I think I picked them to finish second or third this year in the Big 12. So if they can just tidy up a few things, I think they can be good. Anyway, into the games. TCU at West Virginia, Baylor at Texas Tech is all we have in the Big 12. Do you have anything on those relatively insignificant games? Yeah, look, both of them are not great matchups for the landscape of the Big 12. Uh, interesting that they have this one off. Uh, obviously, a couple of big games on the horizon next week. So a bit of rest being sought for teams by the looks of things. Uh, I don't have a huge amount to say on those. Baylor, Texas Tech are two teams in a fairly similar uh, stage at the moment, both trying to build towards something. Uh, and I couldn't honestly tell you who will win that one. Bit of a coin flip. And West Virginia TCU, uh, contrasting styles in this, which uh, should be fun to watch, but I would probably back TCU in that one. All right, so let's jump into the ACC and let's start with Miami at Virginia Tech in a, an episode for us that is taking longer than humanly possible, um, but we will continue to battle through as we near on the wee hours of the morning. Miami are 6-1, and one. Virginia Tech just lost at home to Liberty, but the Hokies go in favorites in this one, and this is really a reflection of the confidence of the folks in Las Vegas uh, and, and their belief in this current Miami Hurricanes team. What are your thoughts on that line? Is that a surprise to you, Will, or you believe that that's about fair? Yeah, no, absolutely that's a surprise to me. That that disrespect is bullshit. If I was you, I would be mad. I would be <laughs> upset. I mean, I know you've lived through it, so you're kind of, you're still reluctant to get out of your shell and, and open and up a, that I'm, vulnerability, but you need I'm, to do it. I'm a battered wife, dude. I know how this shit works out. 
Yeah, um, but you look good in that dress. So I want you to get out there and enjoy yourself while, whilst the sun's out and you can. I just fell down the stairs. That's all that happened. <laughs> anyway, um, but you know, Miami are now on the road for two weeks in a row. And this makes me incredibly nervous. Um, they've always had issues with misdirection offenses and a whole bunch of eye candy motion and bits and pieces moving pre-snap and post-snap. And then on top of that, they've got a running quarterback. So Hendon Hooker and the Hokies offense presents both of those challenges to this Miami defense. They've struggled to stop the run. They've been getting gashed on the outside. And if I'm Virginia Tech, I'm looking to really test the edges of this defense and make those line those Miami linebackers run sideline to sideline. Can they fill gaps? Uh, can they hold up and be stout at the point of attack? On the other side, Virginia Tech have had their issues defensively as well. They rank in the bottom quarter against the pass of all teams in the nation. I believe that, and this could be a recurring theme for Miami through to the end of the year, is that they're going to have to live and die by the arm of De'Eric King. Uh, if he and the receivers, which have got question marks, we know that, and we know the offensive line is struggling, as is the run game. If we know all those elements are not good and they get off to a slow start, I think Virginia Tech win this one. If they can hang around and then allow De'Eric King to work his way into the game, hit those big plays, and allow the wide receivers to work into the game more and use you know, Will Mallory or Brevin Jordan at that tight end position with the play action or, or RPO game as well to support that, then I believe that they will be able to score enough points. But I do not feel confident in this one at all. And, and this is another real nerve-wracking game for me. Uh, whilst it should be entertaining, I don't think that Miami probably will get away in this game particularly well. It's a good arm and a good legs to live and die by, Derek King. So, I mean, you can you can take comfort in that. I think yeah. you're right. Like, he, you're going to go as far as he can take you, but I think he can. Like, he can take you over Virginia Tech. They've shown that they have been a very disappointing outfit this year. They lost to Liberty last week, for fuck's sake. Like, yes, it's an undefeated Liberty team, but Miami are the better team in this one. They, they're... I know you're worried about it and, and I understand that worry and it's nice to have that like amount of optimism because your team's actually competing for something this year you're up there if you lose it yeah. might actually hurt and mean something <laughs> but this week is not going to be it you're going to get over the top of Virginia Tech feel good about that uh, I don't know I'm not confident but we'll see how we go uh, alright uh, let's go to Wake Forest at North Carolina I don't have a lot on this game but North Carolina need to win this one to stay in touch if that if that is at all possible. I think they're probably out of the ACC running now. But Wake Forest have been a, a pesky team all year. They've been out of score points. They've got that glacially slow zone read game that they run, which is super weird. Um, Bo Corrales and Diami and, you know, their other pre um, plethora of weapons as well. So... This should be shootouty again, I believe, and North Carolina have had some issues and glitches uh, with their, you know, th that pass game of theirs. All right, as we continue to mission through this, uh, we've got Notre Dame on their, or backing up their win against Clemson. Now, the last time Notre Dame beat the number one team in the country, they beat Florida State in 1993. The following week, they went on the road to face Boston College and they lost. Guess who Notre Dame are squaring off against this week? They head up to Chestnut Hill 
and this could be a danger game for the Irish. Absolutely, it could be. I, I think if I could play a second Chaos card, I'd be playing it for this Some game. Some men just want to watch the world burn. You sure can, my friend. You sure can. Excellent. Doubling down this week. So I, I think there's uh, a great chance for Boston to really take it to this Notre Dame team here. This this team is coming off of a massive victory last week. The, uh, we're talking about letdown spots, no bigger than this one here. Uh, Notre Dame, obviously... Yeah, revolve around Kyron Williams and everything that they do in the run game there and I think if he can have a down day if Boston are able to contain him and that's a big if because you know he's, he's a very talented player but if that can happen this Boston team's shown that they can be quite dangerous this year and Phil Jerkovic uh, the former Notre Dame player himself will be looking to make some statements No doubt. Uh, and we'll see how that one plays out, but that is definitely one to keep an eye on. Louisville at Virginia. This is a makeup game from last week. Pitt at Georgia Tech, Florida State at NC State. Pretty much brings us to the end of all games this week. There's not a whole heap in uh, the group of five either. SMU at Tulsa, which will be a big game in the American, and Hawaii at San Diego State in the Mountain West are about it. The rest of them appear to be a little one-sided in this one. All right, we are about to head off to the championship draft, but but before we do that, we are going to... I'm going to quickly talk you through our socials, so make sure that you do please hit us up at Twitter, uh, on Instagram, or on Facebook as well. At CFB Down Under is the handles or hookups for all of those particular social media outlets. Make sure you do subscribe to the podcast, leave us a review, um, and get in touch as well because we want to continue to build the program for Australians here and, and allow more and more people to enjoy uh, what we believe is a fantastic sport. All right, let's take ourselves off to the championship draft. I can't remember who's picking first or who is doing what because, again, visual person, I don't have visuals on this. Talk us through it, Will. Okay, so you're up first this week, my friend, uh, and the players that you – well, the teams that you currently have who are or currently hold a value are Clemson, Ohio State, Marshall, and Auburn. Now, Auburn aren't playing this week as they have been cancelled. Marshall will play, but they'll win, so I'm going to hold on to both of those. I do have Penn State, I believe. What other absolute trash programs do I have that I can dump here? That is what I want to know. You have UCF. And? Utah? No, I'm keeping Utah. They're collecting votes. Penn State? Do I have Penn State? You do have Penn State. You picked them up last week. They're dust. They are absolutely dust. And Pip is not. She's staying awake. Uh, I'm going to just nuke Penn State. I'm going to send them off to like Manus Island or something. And I'm going to take the, with no confidence... Washington Huskies um, and hope that they can get their Pac-12 season off to a good start. Okay, grabbing a Pac-12 team. I like it. Washington are free at the moment, so if they can get going, then they might make you some money, which would be good for you, for sure. Uh, Looking at that, I have Alabama, OU, USC, and Northwestern who have cash. So I do have $21 in the bank. 
and I it's burning a hole in my pocket, but I, I, I'm not quite sure where I want to go. You know, Do I grab Georgia, who've had a big slide, who I think will probably end up back inside the top 10 somewhere? Do you jump on Wisconsin and, and hope that they can kind of get it done against Michigan and, and vault themselves up? Or do I find someone outside of the rankings to try and make me some money? I think this week I'm going to play it a bit conservative. I'm going to grab Tulsa. Uh, grabbing some votes there um, I think that they would be a good addition if they can beat SMU then they might vault up into that top 25 and, and make a few dollars for me there okay fair shout I mean they're at home this week so yeah I feel like you've taken the lead on me here a little bit especially with that Notre Dame Clem- that Clemson loss I feel has is, is really stung so I don't know how much money I've got in the bank you have two dollars two dollars two dollars i need to start selling and, and moving up here a little bit i think as the season feels like it's coming to the end pretty quickly all right it is bold prediction time um so let us spend some time and making up some absolute bullshit for our bold predictions so bold strategy cotton let's see if it pays off for all right, I'll let you kick us off this week because I was nowhere near correct last week, so away you go. Yeah, I was also well off uh, last week, but mine this week is that I'm saying we can't fight the carnage. So last week, we had a situation where not one of our ranked teams lost to an unranked opponent. Uh, this week, we have no ranked matchups, so no rank-on-rank matchups. But we do have 15 ranked teams playing. I'm saying that over half of those teams are going to lose. So eight, of, eight. eight of the 15 are going to go down. All right, talk me through those games. Ah, look, um, I don't There's think we many. need to go into that sort of detail. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> we'll, we'll review this in the recap show, but I'm saying that a lot of them are on the road, and the fact that we had such stability last week, it's all just building up to it. Yeah, I okay. think I think that whilst this isn't an, an excellent weekend uh, on paper, we're going to see some cracking results. Okay, I'm taking my little uh, bold prediction this week is road tripping and kicking in the Pac-12. So I'm going to say that four of the six road teams will win, which leaves two... I nearly picked six out of six, but I was like, that never actually happens, so let's not be ridiculous. So I'm saying four out of six on the road will win, which leaves two home teams that will be victorious. But there is a condition for this. These are going to be nail biters. Both will involve a kick to win the game. Now, maybe that's a miss. Maybe it's a make. I'm not entirely sure. But field goal kickers will decide the two wins for the home teams. Yeah, that's crazy. That ain't happening. <laughs> You're better off going all six, I think. But hey, I like it. It could happen. I don't I know like which it. ones they're going to be. But we'll wait and see. All right, let's hit on the punt here comes the money here we go money talks here comes the money 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 money, money. <laughs> that was loud yeah dude like child crying in background or that vomit <laughs> in your ears i don't know but let's get into it because it uh, feels like at least two o'clock in the morning it may show, well be this episode has been going for fucking ever it may well be. No, look, I think people will forgive you for blowing out their eardrums with the money that you're making them. 
We're going back to the well. You've been <laughs> successful for us. So I have a total of seven games here that I'm going to run through. I want you to tell me if you like them or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get right down into it. Uh, my first one, I'm back in Minnesota over Iowa. Uh, they're paying $2.35. They're at home. Iowa aren't very good. <laughs> well, I don't know what we know about Iowa here. I, uh, I don't love that game. Minnesota at home, their defense stinks. Iowa put up 49 points last week against Michigan State. I mean, Minnesota are going to put up points, aren't they? Their defense sucks, though. Iowa's How offense many- ain't that strong. How many points does Minnesota need to win? 35? Perhaps. And I've got it in them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, maybe. Okay, I've got uh, Miami over Virginia Tech. So they're obviously... I'm going to go with that. I'm not going to think twice about it. I hate betting on my own team, but uh, sure, take the Canes. Exactly right. It's not your money, so done. Uh, Nebraska over Penn State. So 225 for Nebraska at home, Penn State. Nope. Don't like it? Don't okay. Like, don't like it at all. We'll scrap that. Um, next one, Wake over UNC. So getting good odds of $4.30 for Wake to provide the upset there. Yeah, but I think UNC is starting to get into a bit of a groove here. I, I Don't get me wrong, I could see it happening. Um, actually, they've got Notre Dame next week as well. Trap game. Sure, pull the trigger. Love it. Uh, next... There. Next one, I'm going SMU uh, at Tulsa. So obviously, I'm I'm big on Tulsa, having added them into my championship draft squad. But SMU are a good football team, and the fact that they're underdogs here has me surprised. So I, I, I like those odds. Uh, only because I'm saying yes to a lot. I feel like I need to back off of one here. I don't know that I've got a great take on this, so I'll leave this one with you. I I think this is a coin flip. So what are we doing with it? In or out? I'd say out. Okay. Uh, next up, I'm taking Purdue over Northwestern. <gasps> <laughs> that is a great shout, obviously. So do that. Yeah, we're going to have that at $2.15? Actually, no. Like, <laughs> like I am, I'm all over the shop here. But my head says no. My heart wants to, but I, I don't think so. Okay, cool. I like that. Uh, what about Cow on the road at Arizona State? State? Yeah, I don't hate that one. Yep. $2.45. Yeah, take the Cow Bears there. In their okay, cool. So I've got Miami. I've got Wake over UNC. I've got Cow over Arizona State. Do I want that Minnesota over Iowa? No. I don't no. trust the Big Ten. Nothing okay. about the Big Ten makes me comfortable. I felt, I felt like this week's harder to pick. Last week, I felt really confident going into some of these games from a from a picking perspective. I, I'm not so much in this one. All week. right. Well, we've got the three. I'm going to put uh, three units on Miami, three units on Wake, three units on Cow, and then a unit on all three uh, multied up. Watch them all bomb hard here. All right. That brings us to the end of the most unbelievable episode ever uh we are just going to sit on this you've got at least a million years of editing ahead of you and then we're going to nuke this into the sun never to be heard from ever again yeah if anyone's made it through the whole way like kudos to you fucking a i nearly haven't i've aged horribly throughout (laughs) this process all right 
that does bring us to the end i'm not hanging around any longer because i need to get to bed but thank you so much for joining us on behalf of myself up here down here wherever the fuck i am at this point in the night and that guy over there my name's aaron that's will and we will see you next time i don't even have an outro ready that's how well i'm going <laughs>